Everyone struggles with fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, or some emotional issue. But what if I told you that you could exchange that life for one of victory? Are you interested? My name is Mark McKinn, and I'm joined with Dr. John Woodward. And together, we want to guide you into a complete and victorious identity in Christ. Our desire is for everyone to know Christ as Savior, Lord, and life, so that you can live victoriously, disciple strategically, and counsel effectively. Welcome to Glimpses of Grace. Welcome to episode number five. Good afternoon, Dr. John. Great to be with you, Mark. Well, today we are going to talk about fact over emotion. But before we do, I want to welcome some people. Dr. John, I don't know that I've had a chance to tell you this, but before we got on, I looked and we have friends listening, not only here in America, but as you know, we've already welcomed friends from Ireland and Japan. But think about this. Now we have listeners in Mexico, Germany, and Puerto Rico. So welcome to everyone who's listening to Glimpses of Grace. Welcome to everyone. It's an international message and international listening. We are so excited to have you on board, and we would love to hear a little bit about who you are and what you're doing. So we'd love to uh, have you send us an email, hello at gracefellowshipinternational.com. But let's jump in. Fact over emotion. Dr. John, when I was pastoring, this was a theme, this was a truth that I would say to people a lot, and I wanted to explain it a little bit, and then I want us to actually jump into a specific emotion. But for me, fact over emotion was something that we needed to understand that I need to live my life based on the truth, the Word of God, and not my emotion. And I want to be clear, because when I say that, I'm not saying that we cannot be emotional, right? We know that our God was an emotional God. We see that Jesus expressed some emotion. But when we say that, or maybe I should say when I say that, I'm really talking about the idea of not being driven by our emotions, not allowing our emotions to dictate our behavior. What do you think about when you hear that? I think the reason this has been an important principle in your pastor and mind, Mark, is that as we walk with people individually, we see that emotions are so strong that often they can blow us back and forth. Like I'm picturing a sailboat. Um, if there isn't the hand on the till and the wisdom of the person sailing the boat, then it just goes adrift with whatever direction the wind is blowing. And I think some who will be listening to this program might think, how do I handle emotions? Am I just being blown back and forth, up and down, based upon how I feel? If so, I think that the topic today is really going to make a difference. I agree. And of course, when we walk people through the wheel diagram, when we're walking through our exchange life principles, we talk about emotions being a part of our soul. And where this becomes important, I think, is when we talk about the center of a person, What is in the center of you? Is that self-life? And of course, if you go back to episode two, we talked about that. But when self is in the center of your life, you're viewing everything in life based on your limited and, and really hopeless and powerless resources, right? And so these emotions look bigger than they really are. But when we view life through 
Christ's life, his life being lived through me, now I'm able to see that same emotion, but I'm able to see it through the resource of Christ. Makes all the difference, doesn't it, Mark, to have that paradigm of how Christ is my source of living. And if he is my source of living, he enables me to be not just as a survivor, but more than a conqueror through him who loved us. And that includes dealing with fears. And that's the specific emotion that I want us to jump into today, because I think more than ever, you hear people talking about the fear of life. It could be the fear of death. It could be the fear of what's next. If you haven't had a chance, episode four was such a powerful episode. You and I got to interview uh, Aaron Kim, and one of the things that he talked about that he's dealing with people are the what-ifs of life. That's this fear of what could come or maybe what's not going to come. So this is a really powerful thing. But when we say fear, give us a little bit about that. I think the first definition we would have of fear is that it's kind of an inner alarm system. If you think of a a smoke alarm, for example, it's a warning of danger. And so we would say, as you mentioned, Mark, that emotions are a valid part of life. The issue is, are our emotions corresponding to reality, fact, or are they out of proportion? Are they irrational? So we would say that fear is that God-given emotional awareness of danger. And so when we talk about the problem of fear, we're saying that often our fears become exaggerated or irrational. Mm-hmm. And we, we tend to think of fear only in the negative sense, don't we? Right. But of course, when I was thinking about fear, one of the places my mind went to is several places in Scripture where the Bible tells us to fear the Lord. You know, Proverbs 19.23, it's the fear of the Lord that leads to life and satisfaction. Or Psalm 111.10, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 14.26 and 27 speaks of the fear of the Lord that gives us a strong confidence. It's a place of refuge. It's a fountain of life. So fear is not necessarily always negative, but it is a powerful emotion that can really stop us from doing what God would have us to do. And in fact, I think until we can learn how to overcome it, there's a good chance we're never really going to live out our full potential of what God has called us to be. And I think one way to discern the importance of this, Mark, is back to the illustration of, of an alarm system. Imagine you have a smoke alarm in your house and the alarm goes off. and You think, oh, well, what's going on? You go into the kitchen and you realize that something on the stove was causing it to be triggered and and there's no problem, and then you realize, all right, let's, uh, the smoke from from the toaster or whatever uh, is the issue. On the other hand, if you realize that there really is a blaze, and we talked to someone even last week that lost their home in a fire, so yes, there can be a real danger, but that's where our mind comes in, where you're talking about fact over emotion. We need discernment, don't we, Mark, to know what is a legitimate fear object or what is uh, an illegitimate fear object. What is an exaggeration? What's paranoia? So we're looking for an emotional healthy response to fear objects. That's so true. And I think one of the things, and maybe we should say this at the beginning and not wait till the end, is the idea of renewing our minds when it comes to this idea of fear, this emotion of fear. And, you know, right before we 
uh, started recording, we were we were talking about a quote, and it's from an author, John Best, who wrote a book called "Resolving Misunderstandings of the Exchange Life," and and you can get that book on our online store. But I loved what he said when he was talking about renewing our minds, and he's talking about how we interpret situations. Of course, what you're just talking about, the fire on the stove. But listen to what he says. He says, "If our thinking is grounded in truth, our emotions will be appropriate." If our thinking is grounded in a lie, our emotions will be inappropriate. So it goes back to fact over emotion. Is my emotions based on truth, based on who I am and who God is, or is it based on how I feel? And that's a real danger when we're living our life based on I feel this way, I feel that way, because that's a roller coaster that can lead us to really highs but also really deep lows. I think a verse that ties both of those concepts together is 2 Timothy 1.7, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? A power, love, and a sound mind, or the Greek word can mean a self-discipline. The idea of a sound mind is that we have that discernment to ask, is this an appropriate response to this signal of danger? Someone told me about a friend who's debilitated because of her fear of spiders, Now, I don't particularly care for those critters myself, but the issue of a fear object is, first of all, it has to be a real danger, and secondly, it has to be present and within reach of hurting you. So, for example, let's say it's some venomous spider that might be in Brazil, Amazon jungle. It might be a real danger, but if there's none in Tennessee near us, we don't have to worry about it. On the other hand, let's say there's a something on the table, you say, look, what? there's a spider. Then we realize it's plastic. All right, it's not a real spider. So in other words, it has to be real and it has to be within reach of us. So here's where we need fact over emotion, where we need discernment. Is this a real fear object? Is it something that can harm me? And many of the people that we're helping, Mark, who are calling, dealing with panic attacks and fear and anxiety are really dealing with irrational type of fear where They really have security, but the what-ifs that you talked about earlier are robbing them of peace and joy. And I love that verse that you mentioned for two reasons. Number one, think about this. God has not given you gifts to glorify Him and advance His kingdom and then turn around and give you something for which would negate that gift, fear. So he he says, Paul writes, He's not given you a spirit of fear. And, And think about this, Dr. John. Don't you think Timothy was probably a little fearful knowing that he's following Paul? They had some big dangers, didn't they, in terms of persecution as well? Exactly. But here's the second thing I love about that verse. Has not given is past tense. It's already in the bank. So wherever you're listening to the podcast right now, if you're dealing with fear, I I want to give you a truth statement. You have power, love, and a sound mind. It is in the bank if you're in Christ. This is not something that you're lacking or something that you can pray to God to give to you so that you can. You already have it. That's what he's saying. God has not given us a spirit of fear or cowardness. It's past tense. You have everything you need. It reminds me, Paul writes that in Ephesians 1.3. We'll probably say that a lot on episodes because it's so true, and I think it's a fact we need to remember, and that is we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So we're not lacking anything. We have everything we need 
to do, but more importantly, to be what Christ has called us to be. Amen, Mark. Sometimes in counseling circles, we hear about mindfulness, which is kind of a trend where people are trying to focus upon the ability of the mind to rise above, let's say, negative emotions. What we're saying is different. We're not talking about trying to psych ourselves up into confidence. Now, and maybe in sports psychology, there's a, a place for that in terms of maximizing your natural skills. But here in terms of Christ-centered counseling, we're saying we're not pretending that we have confidence. We're saying that Christ literally lives in us by the Holy Spirit. Our theme verse, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So we're talking about the boldness, the power, the confidence that we see Jesus exhibiting in his earthly ministry, actually residing in our new spirit. So it's our union with him that means this is not just wishful thinking, but confident reckoning. Amen. That's so good. I want to steal a word from my pastor. He used the word godfidence. I thought that was so good. It's not just confidence, it's godfidence. It's amazing when you think about it, because as we're talking about fear, here's the truth. Everyone is afraid of something. I think another question to ask ourselves, though, is what is my fear keeping me from doing? You mentioned that venomous spider in Brazil. Is that keeping me from going to Brazil? What if I encounter that spider? What if I don't? What if this happens but what if it doesn't? And, you know, as I was, I was thinking about that, and it, it's such a, a powerful, powerful thing, because what ifs are keeping a lot of people from doing what God would have them to do. And so I want you to think about this. What if God isn't keeping score? What if God pays attention to every detail of your life including your mistakes, but he's requiring something very different from you than a lifetime of perfection. And I'm thinking about Psalm 103. David writes, God has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. And Dr. John, you know, the word sin, he's talking about actions that miss the mark, and the word iniquities means crookedness or deviations from the path. And I, I am so thankful to God that God is not giving us what we deserve. Because if he gave us what we deserve, we would all perish. But he's giving us what we don't deserve, and that is grace. God's unmerited and undeserving favor. And I want this to be a fact that people will, will believe is Jesus is replacing guilt with grace. So he didn't just come to forgive our sins. He came to forgive our sins, and he also came to remove the guilt of those sins. And so he's extending grace. He's offering forgiveness. And Christianity is all about grace. And so if you're thinking about this, I'm, I'm fearful of this because or, or, or the what ifs or I'm the not good enough or I don't measure up. I want you to think about this for a second. Who's saying that? The devil. And he's a liar. And we've got to live our lives listening to the truth of what God says. Grace is such a wonderful theme, Mark. I like that term, Godfidence. I think we need to add that to the dictionary. 
really helpful. Uh, trust in God, Godfidence, as your pastor coined it. We would say that Romans 8, 1 is relevant here. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Like you're saying, it's not trying to be perfect, not a checklist. That's the amazing dimension of God's grace, that we're justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, Mark, we've looked at both themes. We've talked about here being in Christ, where we're free from that uh, attempt to try to earn God's favor. And also, we earlier we talked about Christ in us, and he is our source of confidence by the power of the Holy Spirit. So both of those themes are part of fact over emotion, to know that we're in Christ and that he is in us. You know, when you say that, I think about this truth, and it's it's amazing because it's a little bit different now that I'm a father. But when I was a child, when I was afraid, the presence of my dad calmed everything. I remember there was a snake in the backyard, dad. There's a spider in the corner, dad. There's a monster under my bed, you know, when you're a child, dad. And now it's funny now because... I'm the one, I, I'm a, I have five kids, and so now it's, Dad, there's a snake in the basement, and it's Dad, and I'm scared to death. I didn't know that fear actually can has a, has a smell, but when you're trying to get a snake out of the basement, um, I can tell you that, that fear has a smell. And it wasn't a rubber one, was it? It was not a rubber snake. Oh. No, it was a, it was a big snake, and I'll tell you this because it's funny. Before I went to get the snake, I asked everyone who might scream to go upstairs. And my oldest son started walking upstairs, and I said, where are you going? And he said, I'm going upstairs. And I said, no, 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 no. You're going to help me get this snake. And I unfortunately left my wife downstairs. I don't know why she didn't go upstairs. And as soon as I went to get the snake, it went from being coiled up to pretty long. I say pretty long. It was probably two to three feet, but that it was like an anaconda to me. And she started screaming, and because she screamed, I don't know what, I just grabbed the snake and threw it in the, in the trash can and started marching upstairs. I was speaking in tongues, maybe. I don't know. I, was, I don't know what I was saying. But, you know, it's something about dad, though, right? My mm-hmm. kids knew dad's going to get the snake out of the basement. And I think about that when you say we're in Christ and Christ is in us. When I'm fearful, I need to run to God. I don't need to try to hide. I need to run to him. I need to surrender to him. I need to say, hey, God, I'm scared about this. I really have some fear, whether I should or not. The fact is, I do have some fear. But also the truth is, I don't want that fear to be the emotion that's leading and driving my behavior. So I want to hand that over to you. Amen. And our Messiah and Savior, Jesus Christ, using this imagery of, of snakes, which is kind of a creepy, scary topic for most of our listeners. Um, in Genesis 3.15 and elsewhere, it says the Messiah crushes the head of the serpent. That means Jesus has conquered Satan, and that has been primarily demonstrated in Christ's earthly ministry, where he saw Satan fall, as it were, like lightning from heaven, but also um, through casting out demons, and then, of course, through his death and resurrection, so now we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Isn't it great, Mark, that we have an Abba Father who is with us? And like you said, it's that confidence that we're not alone. Whatever that fear object, God is greater. Yeah. You mentioned about going to Brazil, and uh, Grace Fellowship has had the privilege of going there to partner with the Fermata Ministry, pray for those retreats for pastors in Brazil. What a wonderful opportunity that has been over the years. 
But in Joshua chapter 1, Joshua and the Israelite army had some huge challenges. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, the Lord reassures Joshua, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, for, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. So we have that same privilege, don't we, to have fact over emotion, God's promises over um, the challenges that face us and tend to threaten. We do, and and that is the that is the power source. It is our Father. It is His Word. So, Doctor John, let me ask you: If I was sitting across from you, we were having a session, and I shared with you my presenting problem, which is fear. What are some of the things that you might say to me? What are some of these truths that you would want me to, you know, take hold of in my own life? Well, to recap our broadcast, we've been saying that fear is a natural emotion, and it certainly has a a valid place. So we want to alleviate any false guilt that may come, you know, if someone is having legitimate fear, and to give unconditional positive regard and support and empathy and and prayer. But as we focus more on the heart-oriented process, Mark, which is our calling to to, um, discover how the Christ-centered life relates to fear that might be irrational or debilitating, we would then put in the context of a person's life. What what identity am I living out of? What um, is my source of security? And invariably, Mark, we find out that any identity that's not based on being in Christ is an insecure identity. And any form of coping that is apart from God's resources will ultimately let me down. Mm-hmm. So we want to go from, as we call it, the presenting problems, such as fear and panic attacks, back to the issues of the heart. Because Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, because from the heart flows the issues of life. That's so good. I think it's important, too, that we talk about this idea of your mind. We mentioned at the beginning the renewing of your mind, focusing on Jesus, setting your mind on heavenly things. And you think about this. If you're setting your mind on heavenly things, those are things that will not disappoint you or let you down. And I just love that because anxious thinking is not protecting you from tomorrow It's just draining your peace and happiness for today. And there's so many people, and I've been guilty of this myself, because of fear, I don't do a particular thing. And Dr. John, I don't know if you know this or not, there's a man by the name of Reggie Jackson. He's called Mr. October. And in the baseball world, he is one of the people, if you were going to sign up an all time baseball team. A lot of people would say, I want Reggie Jackson on my Mm -hmm. team. In fact, he hit 563 home runs in his lifetime. But what people may not know is he also leads Major League Baseball all time in strikeouts. In fact, he struck out 2,597 times. Or maybe you're a football fan. Brett Favre played for the Packers. Number one in interceptions, through 336 interceptions in his lifetime, but he's fourth in touchdowns and fourth in total yards. So there is a risk. You think Mm -hmm. of if if you're going to do an all-time basketball team, Kobe Bryant definitely would have been someone that you would have put on. Unfortunately, his life tragically taken, but he leads NBA in the most missed shots. 
or the all-time NBA argument, who's the best, and we won't get into this on a podcast, but is it Michael Jordan or LeBron James? LeBron James leads the NBA in turnovers. All to say, if the fear of turning the ball over made LeBron James not want to play basketball, he would never be considered in one of the greats of the game. And if Reggie didn't want to address the issue of striking out, he wouldn't have hit any home runs. That's so true. And so I think what we need to talk about for a second is we're not saying that you and I need to live a life that avoids fear, especially because you talked about fear can be a very good and powerful emotion as a warning system to us. What we really need to talk about is how do I overcome it? And one of the things that I tell people is we need to learn to live courageously. And by that, I mean, don't allow fear to paralyze you. It's okay to have fear. Again, fact over emotion doesn't say, oh, you said there is no emotion, so I can't experience fear. No, we have fear. We just don't let fear drive the ship. And so I think about Moses, no doubt had to be some fear. I think about Abraham. We know he had fear. In fact, some of his fear made him lie about his wife. So all of the people that we read about in the Bible, David, all of them, they had fear. They just didn't let fear paralyze them and keep them from doing what God would have them to do. And so living courageously is living, knowing, and trusting in God and pushing through the fear. Great examples, Mark. I'm thinking uh, the analogy of Jesus as our good shepherd, the Lord being our good shepherd, Psalm 23. Sheepdogs have a role of kind of barking and nipping at the heels of stray sheep to get them to follow the shepherd more closely. Could we say that unhealthy fear can be like a yapping of a sheepdog to remind us that we need to, to walk more closely under the shepherding care of our Lord? So yes, there are risks. There is a legitimate aspect of fear. But we've been saying that being in Christ makes all the difference. There's no condemnation. Christ being in us by the Holy Spirit gives us that courage. And I'm remembering that Hebrews says that the fear of death is a debilitating fear. Mark, I think we would agree that one of the fears that can bind people the most is what's going to happen when I die. So in Hebrews, it says that Satan has kept people bound by that particular fear, but I'm looking in Revelation chapter 1 right now. We're talking about how fact over emotion, if we know Christ as our Savior, Lord, in life, look at the wonderful fact here where in Revelation 1, our Lord says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. So our Lord, through his resurrection, he has the keys Friend, if you know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and that death has lost its sting, like 1 Corinthians 15 says, then we can be confident in the worst-case scenario. Therefore, any lesser risk or loss is not going to have the same grip and debilitating effect in our lives. That is so true. Fear is silenced in Jesus. Amen. Louis Giglio wrote a book, called Goliath Must Fall. I love this, Dr. John. And he, he mentions four things that we need to understand about Jesus that replaces what fear is saying to us. But listen to what he says as the last one. He's talking about worship. And he says, worship 
puts fear in its proper place on the other side of Jesus in our view. And I love it. He goes on to say, we don't lose sight of Jesus because of the raging storm. We momentarily lose sight of the wind and the waves because of Jesus. With eyes fixed on Jesus, we cry out, you are in control. We don't ignore the presence of danger. We declare the presence of our God. Well, you picture the famous story of our Lord in the boat asleep, and yet the disciples are threatened by the wind and the waves. They think, we're going to go down. Lord, don't you care that we're drowning? He wakes up. He stills the storm by his powerful word, and then they're awestruck. What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the waves obey him? The answer, he's the Son of God. So again, if we're in him, if he's in us, then I agree with Louis's comment that looking unto Jesus is the key to have that confidence that we need. And I want to say this to the person that's listening, because there is no way in a 30-ish minute podcast that we can cover everything about fear. If you are struggling with fear, first of all, we, we don't want to minimize that. But second, we want to be a help. And whether that is contacting you, Dr. John, to set up some counseling, or maybe you think, I don't need counseling, you know, I do life coaching, reach out and let's talk about this because you can overcome this. Part of our podcast is speaking about certain issues, even though we can't discuss every single thing about it or we would be talking all day. But I really hope and pray that if you're listening to this, that you will reach out. You can go to our website, gracefellowshipinternational.com. There's a counseling button there where you can schedule an assessment call with Dr. John. Uh, There's also a coaching button where you can set up an assessment call with me uh, to talk about coaching. But we really want to step in and help you overcome fear. And one of the resources that we will mention, Mark, is the book by our friend Dr. Lee Turner, book that we distribute, and that's uh, How to Control Your Emotions. We're currently um, going through another book of his, the Advanced Grace Discipleship Course, but we've taken uh, video lessons from that book, How to Control Your Emotions, and put it into an online course, and our listeners can open a free account if they have not already done so at www.gracestudyhall.org, and so that's a tool that we would recommend, but we believe that the Grace Fellowship resources all relate to the Christ-centered life, which indirectly will certainly help people have confidence, or should we say, Godfidence. I love that. Well, before we go, we always like to have a story, a glimpse of grace, and you have a great one for us today. Dr. John, will you share it? Here's a little excerpt from Discipling the Desperate, a book of testimonies by our founder and friend, Dr. Charles Solomon, who's with the Lord now. And on page 42, he writes, about someone who had been dealing with panic attacks. A young lady who was an actress and gifted in music was plagued with fear and panic attacks. She was recently married, and the panic attacks were shackling her and affecting her acting career and a relationship with her husband. She found freedom through the cross, which has given her joy that is unspeakable. God has freed her from the panic attacks. She is now being blessed in her ministry of music. And I like to point out that on our YouTube channel, which, by the way, friends, you can go to our main website and look at for the icon YouTube. But there are a couple of recent video testimonies about overcoming fear, one from Linda in California, 
one from Mary from Pennsylvania. If you click videos and scroll down, you'll see both of them are giving a testimony of how the Christ Center Life has helped them overcome fear. So I hope these resources will encourage our listeners. Amen. And before we go, I, I just want to leave you with one truth. And maybe if fear is keeping you from doing what God would have you to do, just remember that greatness is not for the elite. And I want to leave you with John 6, a story about a boy who gave his lunch to Jesus for 5,000 to be fed. And of course, the question is, how many loaves and fish did he have? And here's the quick answer. It doesn't matter the number because the number was insufficient to feed the task. It was insufficient to feed 5,000. But in the hands of Jesus, it was enough. It was more than enough because it didn't just feed the 5,000. There was leftover food for the disciples to see Jesus is more than enough. And perhaps Jesus is saying to someone, I have you where you are so that I can demonstrate how capable I am through you. And so please remember, you're not the sum of your fears. You're something more. You're accepted. You're loved. You're chosen. You're called. You're complete in Christ. You are of value to Jesus, and his love for you is deeper and wider and so much higher than you could ever imagine. Psalm 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows everything about you. He knows when you sit down and when you stand up. He knows how many times you blink your eyes, how many steps you take. He knows the number of hairs on your head And he wants a relationship with you. And if you are wondering, has God left me? Fact over emotion. In Christ, he has never left you because he's always in you. And you are in him. And knowing that Christ is our life, it gives us truth in the present. And it helps us to see our past in light of God's truth. So don't carry around the baggage of your past. You are new. Don't rely on your own resources. And again, if you need help, please reach out and let us help you. To reaffirm what we've said about 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Mark, what a wonderful fact to celebrate. Amen. And it's already in the bank. Well, thank you, Dr. John. And before we close, we would love to hear from you. If you would go to our website, gracefellowshipinternational.com, we would love for you to sign up for our monthly newsletter, Glimpses of Grace. And you can see that on the homepage up on top. You can click a button and sign up for the newsletter. And again, let everybody know, Dr. John, where can they get this free course, How to Control Your Emotions? Our free online courses are at www.gracestudyhall.org. Thank you so much. We hope that you guys have a great day. Thank you for listening to Glimpses of Grace. We pray today guided you into a more complete and victorious identity in Christ. If you would like more information about Grace Fellowship International, 
please visit us online at www.gracefellowshipinternational.com. If you would like to contact us, please send us an email, hello at gracefellowshipinternational.com. We hope you have a great day.